All right, here we go into hour number two of the show. Jason Ross here with you, taking you till six. And then remember, UC Davis basketball tonight. The Aggies on the road in Corvallis to take on Oregon State. Scott Marsh with the call. Pre-game 645 tip-off at seven. Hey, it's time to get a new mattress. Shop local at Sleep First. All right, a ton of NBA in the first hour. We're going to get back to more of that in the five o'clock hour because much more on the Kings and, and also tomorrow being a significant date in the NBA, December 15th, opens up the NBA trade season because more than more than 100 players become available that couldn't have been traded until tomorrow. So I'm not expecting 10 trades tomorrow, but if there was any other resistance or any other thing holding some of these teams back, at least there's more pool of players available via trade tomorrow. Kings fans are expecting 10 trades tomorrow. They probably are, especially when they see, oh, yesterday there was the uh, Kings are searching to put Bagley and, and healed in a in a trade package. Well, sure. I'm sure they are. Why haven't they traded them yet? The bad thing is when national people catch on to that because right. it's like, we know that. Yeah. Like, don't talk about us. Right. Well, that and then who else was out there today? Oh, the Knicks and Kemba Walker. Um, just some other teams that you know, th- these players may get moved. Sure. Maybe. But it's a little different than free agency. Free agency, I think a lot of this stuff was already moving, <laughs> tampering, wink, wink. But then, boom, there's the deadline. Free agents are signed. This is something that I'm sure communication has been had, but you know, the one thing that makes you speculate and wonder about the NBA, it's a good and a bad thing. Uh, usually there's a, a larger list of haves and have-nots. I would say Orlando, Detroit are definitely the have-not in the East because everybody else is in the mix. And in the West, I mean, <laughs> you really could argue for every team. If we take the last place team right now, it's New Orleans at 8-21. and 21. They're four out of the 10th spot. So you have everybody that's kind of still in contention. And I would say, as I said earlier, the Warriors, Suns, and Jazz, best teams in the West without, without question. If someone in that 4 through 15 makes that move when whatever that move is meant to that team, and it doesn't have to be this landmark trade, but it could be a fit trade, that all of a sudden propels a team to a, you know, playing at 60% in the second half of the season, well, that's going to just vault that team way up there. So we'll see what kind of moves are made between now and the deadline, especially starting tomorrow. All right, let's get into some NFL, though. We talked a little bit earlier about last night's big win for the Rams, what that did for them on that Monday night win as far as moving the Cardinals to the third spot in the NFC playoff picture and getting the Rams a little bit closer in the division race, but helping their status overall. But the Niners, how important was their performance that they just had on Sunday? They desperately needed it. We had talked about how if a few weeks ago when the Niners had six games to go, how great of a position they were in, especially if they could win a couple of those games. One of them was Seattle. Well, they let that one go. Another one's this week, Atlanta. One Beating Atlanta would be big. You get another win, two. You get the tiebreaker and basically put the Falcons behind you for certain. But this one was a nice one to win in Cincinnati. It started better um, and ended up finishing well, too, but it was a little wobbly on the way as the Niners got a win in Cincinnati. The back is Debo. Pivot handoff uh, to Debo coming wide right. Gets the edge. First down. All the way down the sideline for Debo Samuel. Is he in the end zone? Touchdown! <laughs> San Francisco. It's the left cleat. He's no, wearing that gold. No, no, nothing, right? nothing touched out of bounds before that ball crossed the pylon. He's boy. He she jumped a long way to get there. Uh, oh, he went for it. 
Now he's in. That, that's clearly I, a touchdown. Yeah, I think that is a touchdown. Here is Craig Rolstad. What do you got, Craig? After review, it is a touchdown. Touchdown! San Francisco! Ayuk! Ayuk! Ayuk is on fire! <laughs> he don't need no water. Let him score. <laughs> Good edit there, Tim Ryan. Good edit. Tim Ryan. Yeah, and I got Greg, a little sketchy there. Yes, and Greg Pop on the 49ers radio network. That was the overtime touchdown after they gave up the field goal in OT to Cincinnati. So 26-23 was the final. Uh, Niners um, did it again without Elijah Mitchell, so that's important. Didn't get as many running attempts as I know that – Coach Kyle Shanahan would like. I mean, again, the DNA of this team needs to be run the football, take your spirit away, rely on good defense, play special teams, mix and match that passing game, get it to your playmakers and Debo Samuel and George Kittle, and not make it a situation where Jimmy G um, could turn it over. And he didn't have a turnover, which was very big. Um, the Niners, I think, in general, would like to run the ball better, and they use Debo Samuel more as a runner, right, for his playmaking ability. In that touchdown run that you heard, he had eight carries for about 40 yards. He didn't have as many catches. I think he only had one or two, if I'm not mistaken. Kittle was the primary target. K- Kittle was crazy for the second week in a row, 13 catches for 150 and a score. And in the end, I thought the defense was making a lot of plays, and there were some killer penalties by the 49ers, killer mistakes that took away some – important possessions defensively for the 49ers. But they got it done. They get to 7-6, and six, and really I like their road record, 5-2. and two. So here's what's left for the 49ers. Falcons at the Titans, home for the Texans, and at the Rams. And we said it from, I don't know, about five weeks ago. The last thing you want is that Rams game to be critical. I don't think it's going to be based on where they are if – they can take care of business, and that's why this weekend is so big for them to get an eighth win to then you start looking at the fringe teams in the tiebreaker race, right? The Philly could be a fringe team. Well, you've defeated them. Um, the Vikings could be a fringe team. You've defeated them. If you beat the Falcons, that's another team you could be competing with for a wild card spot. You will have defeated them. So that's huge in the tiebreaker race. And the 49ers still have, I think, a very good playoff DNA and what I mean by that is an experienced team a good quarterback not great a good good quarterback I do think they scheme well and have good coaching sometimes they I think overdo it at times and overthink it but of all the teams that if you can get it played in your DNA in your setup where you dictate the terms man the 49ers are tough to beat when they can do that now they don't always do it They haven't been able to impose their will enough this season on teams. And for a while, they were doing that to the Bengals. And it felt like they were a couple of plays away from from ending it, from knocking them out, from getting a big enough separation. It's just they stalled and didn't add points. You know, I thought they might win in regulation, but they missed the field goal. Then they get to overtime, and it's like, oh, man, this is going to end up being a really bad loss. Instead, a win, and it just keeps the pressure on all those other teams that are trying to knock them out. But... Uh, the 49ers got it done, and uh, here's Kyle Shanahan afterwards. Felt good going into this game, and uh, we got one more win, so um, feel a little bit better. But uh, I know that doesn't matter. We got to keep winning each week, and um, if we keep doing that, then you you don't ever have to really look at anybody else. 
Yeah, and Kyle Shanahan ultimately uh, talked also about the final sequence. Remember that, and I've said this from the beginning, I don't think Kyle has the utmost confidence in Jimmy. He has confidence to the point now where, remember, we don't even see Trey Lance anymore. I mean, there were some exotic packages, down and distance, goal line looks. I know he was hurt for a few weeks, but they don't even mess with him anymore. It's Jimmy G's team to operate and to get the most out of right now. But he got him in overtime, and here he is talking about that uh, game-winning touchdown. We got back down there, and it was first down so they could honor the run, and we just ran a bootleg, brought Ayuk across, and uh, didn't expect it to score. Um, thought it would hopefully get us inside the three, but the move that he made was unbelievable. I still don't know how he got in. I didn't really trust it until they made it official. <laughs> so a sweet win for the San Francisco 49ers. Now when we start to, to pan out on the Niners and look at the standings overall – in the playoff picture right now with those, uh, what, five games to go for the 49ers, um, they are find themselves in a position here where, excuse me, four games to go. They find themselves in a position right now sixth in the wild card race, or sixth overall. Seven teams make it. And right below them is the cutoff line below 500. Washington would be the seventh team at six and seven. Minnesota, six and seven. Remember, Niners beat them. Eagles, six and seven. Niners beat them. Falcons tied with them. Niners play them. And the Saints, 6-7. and seven. So you're looking at Minnesota, Philadelphia, and especially if Atlanta, the Niners beat them this week, they all have to get a full game ahead of the 49ers. So they are in terrific position right now, especially if they could just take care of the games that are just staring right at them, the Falcons and, and Texans. That almost will be enough. I think it will be to get them to nine wins. 10 will help you, but now if you're trying to be selective and picky and get your best path for the 49ers into the postseason, last night is interesting because the loss by the Cardinals dropped them to third. They're a 10-win team. The champs, Tampa's a 10-win team, and tiebreaker has Green Bay at number one as a 10-win team. If I'm the Niners, and those are my rough candidates who I might be looking at playing, I'm with the Cardinals. That's who I'd want. You can't really be selective and pick, but the path I would want, I'd want to stay away from Green Bay and and Lambeau Field and Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'd want to stay away from Tom Brady and the champs and going to Tampa. Yes, Arizona's beaten you twice, and once they beat you with Colt McCoy. But it's tough to beat someone three times. Of the coaches, I would prefer to go against Cliff Kingsbury. Of the quarterbacks, believe it or not, Kyler Murray's a problem. And it's careful what you wish for. But honestly, playoff success, playoff history, you're the Niners, and you can pick. Do you want to face Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, or Tom Brady? I know who I'd want to face of those three. And again, it's careful what you wish for, but the roadmap is is potentially there for them. And so it was a big win for them because it would have turned into a very sketchy situation. They would have been still in that six and seven range with all Washington, Minnesota, Philly, but now there's less wiggle room. You have the tiebreakers, but you're already tied. So now with a full game lead, basically two with four to go, and one very winnable game, another one that's pretty winnable, and two opportunities besides that. 
Niners could get themselves to about nine, maybe even ten wins. And it's been shaky. It's been up and down. It hasn't been perfect. But to me, of the NFC, they look like a playoff team. And what do you want the most at the end of the year? To be healthy. They're not fully healthy, but to be playing your best. And right now, they've won four of five with a loss at Seattle. And it was, again, just a brutal second half for the Niners. But it's a loss. But a good win against the Rams. A necessary win against the Jags. Nice win against the Vikings. A good road win in Cincinnati. And let's see if the Niners can keep adding to it. So good for them to get the win. They needed it. Now on the other side of things, that's that's the the joyous feeling of the weekend. Let's go to the other team. And it sounded a little like this. Chiefs go to a knee one more time. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won six straight games. The Chiefs, who at one point were three and four, now go to nine and four. And get this. They have allowed, in three consecutive weeks, nine points, nine points, nine points. Chiefs blow out the Raiders 48-9. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not surprised that the Raiders didn't win this game, but a little surprised at how non-competitive it was. We talked about it last week. We talked about it with Lincoln, who will visit with us tomorrow. The Chiefs' turnaround has come from their defense, and you heard it there from Mitch Holtis on the Chiefs radio network. Nine points allowed. The Raiders, I mean, if there's anything that they might be able to do is maybe move the ball, get some points, they missed Aaron Waller. I mean, Waller opens up so many things for Carr. Carr had some turnovers. Renfro is a nice receiver. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, there's there's not enough weapons that keep everything honest, and then the Chiefs were just just absolutely dominant. And that becomes scary for the rest of the NFL, how proficient Kansas City has become defensively, and certainly what they're able to do now uh, or what they've done defensively, but certainly what they're able to do at all times offensively. So this is a problem for a lot of the AFC. And for the Raiders, it, it just feels like, and I said this to Lincoln last week, and I thought he had an interesting interesting response. I said, Lincoln, look, I look at the Raiders right now, and this was before the game and they were 6-6. Six and six. I said, that's exactly to me what they are. They're not bad. They're not good. They're a 500 team. They've got some quality wins. They've got some bad losses. That's about what those kind of teams do. They're better offensively than they are defensively, but they're just a 500 team. And Lincoln actually disagreed and said, you know what, they're not a good football team. They're just not good. And the loss this weekend was an embarrassing one as far as the largest margin of victory for the Chiefs over the Raiders in that rivalry game. And the Raiders now go to 6-7. and The division is good, I get it, but why does this continue to happen to the Raiders the last couple of years? I mean, 3-0 start... I think five and two at one point. Now here they are at six and seven. Second half slides. Last five weeks slides is what happens to the Raiders pretty consistently. And now for them, they get the Browns Saturday, home for the Broncos, at the Colts, and home for the Chargers. I mean, there may not be another win. May not be. And I don't think of them as a playoff team. That's not any earth-shattering statement. But where do they go next? Because the Raiders aren't coming back with Rich Bisaccia. I just, I can't see that. Yeah, I don't think you can sell that. And so you have gone from your 10-year wonder child in John Gruden. I mean, that was the guy Mark Davis wanted. He got him. And then obviously we know why he's gone. When people kept coming into this year, it made me laugh. Is Gruden on the hot seat? No. He wasn't on the hot seat. He had six more years left on a deal. The only reason he's out is because of the transgressions in those emails. And again, I'm saying that's warranted, but it wouldn't have been for performance for John Gruden. 
as a coach. So people are speculating about Derek Carr. Can you move him? Can you get something in return? Like again, when you're in that middle group where you're you're not embarrassingly bad where you're going to be picking first and maybe can redirect your franchise with a just a difference making college player. Where in the NFL you need to draft right like through several rounds. Maybe a free agency move and all of a sudden you move things here, but the Chiefs should be good for a while still. The Broncos have been a, a nice surprise, and then the Chargers are going to be a problem. So, uh, you know, this has been one of the worst franchises in the NFL for a while. The Giants, I think, in the last five years are the, have the least amount of wins. And then the Raiders. The Raiders are up there. And really for 20 years, it's it's the Raiders that have been doing this. So it's frustrating. I remember a few years back where there was speculation about Jim Harbaugh and the Raiders because of the Davis family and the connection with him. I I wouldn't be surprised if that gets talked about a little bit more coming up. But let's hear from their current coach, Rich Bisaccia, on the Raiders. We're all professional coaches and players, and I think we're all being evaluated by our performance on the field and our actions off the field. So number one job of pro players is to protect this job. And so we'll see what practice looks like this week. We'll take a look at all our personnel is for us. We'll uh, dig deep into what we did as coaches and have a chance to respond uh, come tomorrow and move on to Cleveland. You know, Rich Bisaccia, nothing against him. He just looks like a guy that he's the classic interim coach. Like, he's just in between. Um, he's done nothing of unique nature to to redirect or change things from the Raiders. I think his, his biggest ability was to kind of get him through that time and then certainly the, the rug situation. But the players just they just don't have it. It's a personnel issue, too, for the Raiders. Here's more from Bisaccia. Mood right now is not very good, obviously, talking amongst themselves, but that's exactly what I told them. I told them that these kind of games will bring out the best and worst in all of us, and it'll be easy to see which one comes out, right? I told the coaches and in front of the players that we need to look at ourselves as coaches, and they need to look at themselves as players. I mean, missing, we brought it up earlier, but missing Darren Waller, it makes the offense incomplete, and if that's the strength of the team, that really hurts them. Defensively, just not enough playmakers. Not enough. The offensive line had their worst game I think this year, no protection for Carr. So you hurry him. He he does what he can under the circumstances. And uh, speaking of Carr, he is a guy. He's glass half full. He's going to try to stay upbeat. And uh, this right now is testing that. There's a lot of things I'm thinking, but I try my best. You know, stay positive. You know, it sucks, but that's <laughs> what. What other choice do I have? You know, go in the hole and just be depressed with every, you know everybody. You know, I still got a job to do. And uh, Carr. Um, also looking uh, looking forward when everybody else is, is kind of down right now. At the end of the day, we get paid to win football games. And so that resolve and all that kind of stuff is good because it, it shows you who has it, shows you who can count on when it's tough and when crap's hard and when football's hard. Uh, for sure, it shows some things, but you can't like, I don't feel great about it because that means that we were down. But it does let me know who I can trust, that's for sure. Yeah, and in football to me, a lot about it in my years being around uh, with college and even the, the three years working with the Raiders as well, it's... So much of it is coaching, game plan, scheme, and then do you have the personnel to execute that scheme? Like the coaches come up, they spend a week or so on the philosophy of the game plan of what they think they can do to match their strength and maybe take away some things or the weakness of the opponent. Now, if it lines up beautifully or if you're a really physical, run-natured team and the other team is weak at that, sometimes it just lines up beautifully. But it also does come down to talent. So you can coach them up, you can have the right scheme, the right philosophy, but if their talent across the board is just better than yours, 
scheme, you know, can only go so far. And the Raiders, to me, have a talent issue. They're behind the majority of the team. It's almost position by position. But on some weeks, like the Raiders' last win was a, such a good win against the Cowboys. That was a really nice win on Thanksgiving. They've got a couple of those this year. So you see some potential, but now since that, after that Eagles game, lost to the Giants, lost to the Chiefs, lost to the Bengals, the win against the Cowboys, lost to Washington, and lost to the Chiefs. They're going the other way as opposed to the Niners. They've lost five of their last six. They're now six and seven. And with when you're in that kind of stretch, as I said, the schedule, Browns, Broncos, Colts, Chargers, it's hard to see a win going forward for them. So that's what makes it so tough. A couple other things from the NFL this last weekend. The Bucks and Bills just played a classic game in Tampa. The Bills' struggles continue here, and the, the struggle is real because the Patriots, as we mentioned a few weeks back, hey, they're going to catch him. They caught him, they passed him, and now they've got a, a two-game cushion. And Buffalo needs to worry about just getting in the postseason. I think uh, the Broncos to win on Sunday wasn't you know the most amazing win as far as who they defeated, uh, but it was a win, uh, getting the win over the Lions. But the emotions that they had to play through with just the tragic loss of Demarius Thomas uh, over the weekend. And then I think the, the most compelling thing, maybe in football right now with four weeks to go, is the AFC North. With every team still having a chance. Pittsburgh's in last at 6-6-1, six, six, and one, but with a good quarterback, good coach. Then you go to Cincinnati at 7-6. and six. Good quarterback, good coach. Cleveland, 7-6, and six, I think a good coach. Pretty good quarterback. And then Baltimore, good coach, good quarterback, 8-5. and five. The question about Lamar Jackson getting hurt. I just love the dynamic of that division as that's still up for grabs and something to watch over the last four weeks. All right, when we come back, another week has finished with last night's Monday night game. We're going to give you a new edition of our top five, bottom five, currently in the NFL. Who are the five best? Who are the five worst? According to us here, we'll do that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. They're about to start in New York. The Warriors and the Knicks as Steph Curry goes for the uh, three-point record. We'll update you and keep you up to date on when that happens. He needs one to tie, two to break the record of Ray Allen, who's in attendance. And uh, that thing is going to be shattered, shattered here. One of the odds I saw of him breaking the record tonight uh, for sports gambling, minus 5,000. For what? Of him uh, breaking the record. Tonight. Oh, that's what. Yeah. So, what would you? What does that mean? You have to pay. You have to bet five thousand dollars to win a hundred dollars. What? Well, it must be extreme the other way. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> wouldn't that be worth it? Betting the other. I mean, to break it so he can make one. He's got the streak. I can't remember of how many games in a row he's made one. Um. Then at that point, you might as well just go and get a lottery ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Bet five bucks. For him to get one. But, yeah, he's going to want And I'm guessing they're going to probably try to do this quickly. We'll see as uh, that game's about to get started. We'll let you know how that goes. Uh, it is time for a new week of top five, bottom five from around the NFL, as we see it. The five worst teams, 28 through 32, and the five best teams. And our list has changed this week. Uh, actually, we were off last week, so we've got a, a couple of developments here to change, um, for, especially from the top five. From the bottom five, working from the... Fifth worst 
to the worst. And as we said, right now only four teams have been eliminated from playoff contention. One of the teams that's in this list that has not is our 28th team, the New York Giants. The New York Giants are just consistently bad. I never think of them as dreadful, as bottom of the league worst, but they have a knack for getting about five wins a year, which is bad. You know, they're not where the Detroit Lions are, but the Giants are four and nine. They've got injury concerns with Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley's been hurt. They've had receivers in and out of the lineup this year, and they look like about that. About that record, nothing too inspiring, nothing too crazy, nothing that gets you uh, going crazy. As Steph, on the very first shot attempt for him, about a minute into the game, straightaway, 26-footer, bottom of the net. So he's tied Ray Allen at 2,973. Wow, that was just straight away and straight through for Steph. So... I got to imagine what ticket prices were for that. People want to be a part of history. People also want to see the Warriors. This is a great basketball team. But um, now I think all eyes are every time Steph touches the ball, is he going to do a heat check three? Well, here he is going for the record. Nope, missed it. So we'll see if we're doing that 15 times in a row. So Steph is one for two, but he has tied the record. So our fifth worst team is the Giants at 28. Fourth worst, the Jets, who have officially been eliminated now the Jets on a positive side for them at least have identified for the time being until they change right because we know they were going at Sam Darnold but now it's Zach Wilson that's the guy they believe to be the quarterback of the future that's who they drafted so high last year Robert Sala seems to be their coach of the year of the future until he's not right that's where they are so they're going through this transition year of just trying to figure out what the next pieces are to add to their team but three and ten in a division that's now sneaky tough, right? Now that the Patriots have figured things out, the Bills, I think, are still good. I know they got exposed by uh, the Patriots had a tough loss against the uh, Buccaneers this week. And then the Dolphins, who are an absolute mess, but have now won five in a row. So six and seven for Miami. The Jets are the worst team in the division. They are our fourth worst team in our bottom five. Third worst team, the Texans. They've lost three in a row. They're two and 11. I thought they would be better with Tyrod Taylor. And they've already elected to change that and go back to Davis Mills. They've got to figure out in this offseason, or the league has to figure out what's going on with Deshaun Watson. Because he's extremely talented, but that's not the issue. Is he going to be able to play if he is given any kind of league suspension or any uh, even bigger, you know, more um, criminal kind of look at him from from some of the transgressions what is his future in the league i mean it's just an empty year for him there's just it's just all been kind of hanging out there nobody really knows what's going on with him so the texans are in that no man's land they don't have the quarterback of the future they're to a two and 11 and uh it's bad it is really bad for them at 30 at 31 second to worst we're putting jacksonville jacksonville is also two and 11 they have lost five in a row, but what's frustrating for them to me is they believe they've got their quarterback of the future in Trevor Lawrence. They don't know if they have their coach of the future, and they just went and got Urban Meyer. He continues to step in it all the time, <laughs> whether it's making bad decisions away from the game or at the game or post-game or with his team. It just seems like this is something that's going to be short-lived, though. Shad Khan has said, no, 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 no. We're not looking at anything, though I think they should be. Um, it's just shaky waters there for Jacksonville. We put them as our fourth worst team 
in the bottom five. Is now, it? Am I wrong to think that with Jacksonville, that Urban Meyer doesn't want to be there, Shad Khan doesn't want him to be there, mm. but they're both playing like this game of chicken of who's going to blink first? I don't know that Ur- – you don't think Urban Meyer wants to be there? No. He went and t- called all of his assistant coaches losers. <laughs> that's mishiring, and that's like, okay, then if you get rid of that whole group and you come back, who wants to go work for him besides the paycheck? It's like, oh, I'll do it because I'll take the paycheck. Nah. Nah. And he missed out on an opportunity at USC, Oklahoma, Oregon. Some high-level schools were open. If, if Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yes, if he wanted back in uh, to the college game. So, anyway, we put them at the fourth worst team and then dead last. The worst is Detroit. Detroit. The Lions. Um, they did get the win. They do have a tie. But they're also in that weird spot where they make the trade, and I get it, moving off from Stafford to go to Jared Goff, but is Goff going to be part of their long-term situation? They've got so many injuries. Jeff Okuda got hurt at the corner position, their top pick a year ago. Um, it just they've got issues. they got issues. They, they, they look like a team that attempts to compete every week, but they definitely have major problems there. So we put Detroit dead last again as team number 32 in our bottom five. All right, so now we got to get to the best, the top five. So, again, our bottom five, Giants, Jets, Texans, Jags, Detroit Lions. Top five from five to one, New England. Winners of seven in a row, and their point differential is great. I just love, 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 love the way they won that game against Buffalo on Monday night. It was clear that weather was going to be a problem, so Bill Belichick identified that and said, you know what? Buffalo, you have trouble stopping the run. We're going to run, and we're going to run all the time. We're going to tell you we're going to run, and unless you can stop it, we're going to beat you. And that's exactly what they did. And so New England getting their healthy their guys back playing defense from a year ago that, or from two years ago, and they're well coached, and they put Mac Jones in a spot to just guide the team and and not really make mistakes. And here they are as one of the better teams in the NFL, in the AFC, and leading the AFC East, we have the New England Patriots at number five. At number four, wow, one loss derailed them, but Arizona, bad loss last night, and just some questionable decisions that they made. Their third loss, they've lost a couple here out of their last couple of games, and they're still a really good football team. 7-0 and on the road, we'll tell you that, but just 3-3 three and three at home, a little bit of a puzzle there. But we put Arizona at four, and Steph Curry has just done it. A right angle three. Oh, and he is celebrating it. He's feeling it. Good for him. They've stopped, called a foul. Steph gets his moment. Ray Allen's applauding for him. Draymond Green, chest bumps and hugs. 2,974, and Steph looks pretty excited about it. Good for him. Just four minutes and 32 seconds into the game, Steph Curry is now the new all-time leader in three-pointers made. And like we said, that record is just going to be smashed. He is going to go way past that with, he's what, 33? He's got several years to go, and he's killing it. He is absolutely killing it. So good for him. 12 to 10 is the score. Steph has hit two threes, and they've stopped the game. Steve Kerr who is the all-time leader in three-point field goal percentage, 
hands him a game ball. Steph kind of doing a little curtain call in New York. Uh, what a cool moment. Absolutely cool moment. And Steph's hugging his dad, who's there courtside. Man, imagine the amount of shots they put up together. That's cool. That's absolutely awesome. So Steph Curry, and we'll we'll hear some of that uh, audio a little bit later in the show, but that is a really cool moment. Good for him. All right, we'll get back to our list here. Top five, we said New England five, Arizona four. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. Here comes KC uh, with the defense really starting the turnaround. And then the offense you still know is lethal. Patrick Mahomes still isn't having that kind of year, but I no one expects that to maintain and to stay and to to not be a threat or not be afraid of it, of him. So we put them at number three. At number two, the Super Bowl champs, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Look out. They've won four in a row. They've got the best offense in the NFL. You've got a quarterback that is so comfortable with everything they do offensively. And even this last week when they got a little shaky against Buffalo, they found a way to make the plays and to get it done and to win it overtime. So we put them at number two. And at number one, I'm putting Green Bay. I know there might be better teams. They've got some injuries defensively. When they get those guys back, Bakhtiari back on the offensive line, the way Rodgers is just controlling things, the run game is good. And they've just consistently been a winning organization and a winning team. So I'm going to put Green Bay at number one. So five is New England, four Arizona, three Kansas City, two Tampa Bay, And number one, Green Bay. All right, that's our top five, bottom five. We'll come back. We'll have our first look at the week ahead. Look at this week. We got Thursday football, Saturday football, Sunday football, and Monday football. The NFL has taken over. We'll take our first look at the weeks ahead, the week games uh, coming up. We'll do that when we return. Right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Rolling along here on Sports 1140 KHDK, Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. As uh, we continue here, again, congrats to Steph Curry, the new three-point leader all-time, has six points, made two threes on three attempts, and it's 12-12, a lot of game to go. We'll hear that uh, coming up here in a few moments. I want to finish off the NFL before we jump back into the NBA at the top of the next hour. A couple of things coming in from the text line. Jimmy G is at his best in crunch time under two minutes. He makes great decisions when the game is on the line. Not so much in the middle of the game, but damn, he can be clutch sometimes. He did finish well in that game, and I still think there's that's where that nervousness comes in from Kyle Shanahan as a play caller with some of those uh, playbook options for Jimmy G. He loves the run. He loves to limit mistakes and uh, tries to win games that way. Uh, This week, though, we've got a a first look at the NFL week ahead, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday NFL games. Thursday's going to be a good one. We'll have it here on KHDK. Chiefs and Chargers. If you start to look at uh, the impact of the AFC West and the overall playoff picture, that game has a huge significance, and we were talking playoffs in the NFC earlier. But the AFC playoff picture is interesting because we mentioned the Jets, the Texans, and the Jags are out. But 13 teams are still alive in the – in the AFC and legitimately alive where there's 15 alive in the NFC, but you really don't feel like the giants, the bears, even Carolina or Seattle are really going to do it. Whereas, I mean, Miami has gotten so hot. The Raiders are with six wins, have a chance. I doubt it, but that that's how open the AFC is. 
and right now the Chargers would be fifth. The Chiefs are third, so that game is big on Thursday. Uh, Saturday has the Raiders at the Browns. The Browns are just on the outside as due to tiebreakers with there's one, two, three, four, five teams at seven and six. So that game becomes critical there on Saturday. Also, Saturday has another one, a good one, with the Colts and the Patriots. So we'll have both of those games for you on Saturday here on KHK. Sunday, the games that have probably the most significant interest, Washington football team against Philadelphia. You've got the Titans at the Steelers as the Titans trying to hold off the Colts for that division. The Bengals at the Broncos, and uh, both those teams are in that 7-6 and six mosh of teams. And, of course, the Packers at Ravens, Falcons at 49ers. We did have a texter ask this of you, Chris. Uh, the texter said, Hi, Jason. The worst game in the NFL schedule this week is Jaguars and Texans. Please ask Chris if he wants the Jags game to end in a scoreless tie. Ooh. Not just like a that. tie, but a scoreless tie. I do like that. We did have one. We had multiple tie alerts this year, but we did get the one tie. We did. Yeah. It was the Steelers and the Lions. Lions. Yes. Because, again, my goal was to have the Lions go 0-15-2. and Well, our dream, my dream season is a team going 0-0-16. Yeah, if that, or, yeah, 17 now. 17. Yeah. Oh, that would be, that. that's the only way an NFL team could be a 500 team. I guess if you you're going to need a tie to be a 500 team, I guess you'd be one. eight eight and one, right? Or uh, six six and two. Oh, that no, won't work. That's not a good math. Six six and five. Uh, five, yeah. <laughs> if you had more than two, t- like if a team ever had three ties in a season, that would be crazy. Yes. Yeah, and I'd be there for it. Uh, for a while, you know, you just don't know. I, mean, I would be like, I would be like the the Miami Dolphins traveling to the game, <laughs> popping champagne. Uh, the other thing that was weird, and it happened last night again, they said the stat during the Monday night game. I mean, onside kicks aren't really recovered that often, but there was four this weekend. Four in like 24 hours that were recovered, and why, I don't know, but it just happened with a little more regularity this weekend. Then It's such an oddity. It's a great play. Sometimes they're done on surprise. In these cases, I think they were all done in a situation where teams needed the ball back. Um but, yeah. So you want to see that one, tie? Jags and Texans? They're both on our bottom five list. I do now. Yeah. That's a terrible game. That's a terrible game. Actually, I mean, too bad they weren't playing the Lions. The Jags weren't playing the Lions yeah. this season. Because that would be fantastic. Ugh, just brutal. Just brutal games. Um, yeah, I don't know. Of the games that we mentioned, though, the best games of the week – I think um, the Saturday schedule with that Patriots-Colts game is going to be really intriguing, too, because just the way New England has played, the amount of belief now in what Bill Belichick has done. I saw that circulating. Remember last year? Is it Belichick or Brady? Belichick or Brady? Well, I I always thought that was so funny. They needed each other. They're both great. I think we can acknowledge that. And then Brady goes and wins the Super Bowl. He's great. That means it's Brady. And and then what if Belichick wins one this year? That means it's Belichick. (laughs) We've got to have one right answer. It can't be both. No, they're both great at their craft. They're both great at what they're doing. And obviously, when Bill Belichick's got better personnel, then watch out. They're a real problem, and they've become that real problem this year. And and they've done it in a way where kind of it didn't start out that dramatic, but now here they've just gotten hot at the right time. And that's the Super Bowl trend of the last couple of years. Tampa Bay wasn't that great through the majority of the season last year. They got hot at the end and then obviously made it all the way through. Kansas City, the same two years ago. 
you want to be playing your best at the end. And if you look at that, like some of the hottest teams you would say right now, winners of, let's say, three or four more games or, or in a row right now, Dolphins have won five, Patriots have won seven in a row, and the Chiefs have won six. That's your AFC group. In the NFC, the only one that's on a streak of three or more is Tampa, who's won four consecutive games. So to me, I think I look at a couple things. One, health, coaching, quarterback play, how are you playing at the end, defense. You know, and then when you get to the playoffs, can can your team travel to all elements? And what I mean by that is certainly the weather, but what hurts a weather game? We just referenced that Patriots and Bills game on Monday night. Well, if you had a game like that in the postseason, that's where a team like I think the Niners could handle that. In their DNA, they want to run. And where if wind or wet or snow or something really made it difficult to pass, you want to be in a situation where you are versatile. That's something that I think hurts Buffalo. It hurts some of these other teams that have some nice elements, but do they have the total balance? Tennessee, at one point with Derrick Henry, looked like a team that could handle all of that. Now they're missing him. Um, the Chiefs, you wondered, okay, I just don't know about their defense. Well, now their defense is really rounding into shape, and that's why they've won six in a row. So they're on that list of teams that are playing some good football at the right time. All right, that's it for the second hour. When we come back in the next hour, we're going to jump back into the Kings and the NBA. Steph breaks the record tonight. So much more to get to here in our final hour. We'll do that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHTK.